Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services, a wealth management firm based in the land of love, Loveland, Colorado. We do comprehensive wealth management and financial planning. And that sounds like a mouthful, but more or less, it just means that we look at everything in somebody's financial life and their family, their income, their assets, all the things that are important to them and come up with a plan that's a living, breathing plan, of course, something that we're working on over time as things change. But it's our job to basically be your fiduciary, your financial expert. And you always want to work with a fiduciary, of course. That means that they have a legal obligation or we have a legal obligation to work in your best interest. But not all financial advisors are fiduciaries. So look for a fiduciary. An easy way to do that is make sure you're working with a certified financial planner because certified financial planners are automatically fiduciaries. It doesn't matter who they work for. We think it's better to work with an independent advisor or an independent firm so they don't have any motivations from an employer or a sales manager or something like that that's pushing them to recommend certain investment products or if that company sells products, which oftentimes they do. You just want to be with a fiduciary that's independent and a certified financial planner. Not that that's any guarantee necessarily, but it does help at least making sure that you are aligned as closely as possible. That person truly is looking out for your best interest. One of the areas that we cover frequently in comprehensive financial planning conversations is estate planning. Oftentimes we do get the question, do I need a trust or is my will sufficient? My answer to stuff like this is always, well, it depends, right? It depends on the situation because every client's situation truly is different. Everybody has different family dynamics, different work history, different assets that they've accumulated, possibly more complicated stuff like business interests or family farms or possibly some type of rental property arrangement where they've got a bunch of rentals, commercial property. It can definitely get more complicated. But bottom line is everybody's situation is different. And sometimes even in small estates, even with people who don't have maybe a lot of income or assets, things can still get really complicated. And when you talk to most people about estate planning and truly what they want, more or less what they're trying to do is have peace of mind that when they pass away, that their loved ones are taken care of and that they want to keep things as easy as possible for people. And really, I think that's the gift that you're giving and I'm giving. You know, When you do your estate planning and keep your stuff up to date, That's really the gift you're giving people. And we see situations across the board from people who have done some really good planning and been really thoughtful and they worked with a financial planner and an estate attorney probably had a team of people, right, putting together their plan and asking lots of questions. But when we settle an estate like that, 
it's a lot less complicated and it does make it easy because oftentimes as the fiduciary, as the financial planner, we're the ones that are sitting with the family. Of course, emotionally, it's, it's a tough time. People are going through losing a loved one. It can really be heartbreaking and it's truly an honor that we get to do that. It's, it's hard, but it's truly an honor that we get to kind of work through the dynamics with the family. You know, it's just a different piece of mind that happens when somebody passes. People kind of know that they've been taken care of. They know that their loved one really spent the time and made sure everything was organized so they made it easy on the people that were left behind. Now, we see other estates. They're just ones that are kind of a mess. And again, it doesn't have to be a huge estate for it to be a mess. But sometimes people just didn't do a lot of planning, or maybe they did some planning, but it was so out of date that it really just created a huge mess. Uh, Sometimes that can involve a lot of extra taxes. It can involve legal fees, going to court, all kinds of stuff that we end up seeing happen in these different family situations. So this is important stuff. I want to make sure that I really emphasize that the question today we're asking is, do I need a trust? But what I want to emphasize is the importance of estate planning and really taking care of your family and your loved ones, not just financially, but also emotionally by doing some good, thoughtful planning that will help them out immensely. Back to the question, do I need a trust? It does depend. Now, bottom line is that you could actually just take a piece of notebook paper and write out a will, depending on what your jurisdiction is, what state you live in. There may be different requirements as far as uh, do you need to have a witness or notary or something like that. But probably you could just write it on a piece of notebook paper, sign it, make sure it's executed legally for your state, and you could be good to go. So that would be one way to do it. We don't necessarily recommend that because there is value in making sure that somebody who has a legal mind, you know, an attorney, and we can give you names, especially if it's in Colorado, we can give you names of people to talk to, or even if it's in a different state, we can tell you that we're pretty well networked. We know a lot of different people around the country and can help you find somebody that you should be sitting down with and could be comfortable with to look at your stuff. It is important to make sure that you've got professionals involved in this. That's kind of my disclosure at the beginning here is make sure you're talking to your certified financial planner. Make sure you're talking to your estate attorney, your tax advisor. You probably need a whole team of people that you're pulling together here because this is complicated stuff and it's so important to make sure that the details are right. That can make the difference between things being set up really well for your family or things just being a nightmare and causing a lot of headaches. Again, we actually sit with families as advisors. We actually sit down with them and have seen these situations over and over over the years, really good situations and bad situations, depending on how the planning was done. So today, I'm going to share some things to think about situations that you could find yourself in. Well, I may not be able to answer that question for you definitively today because it does depend, but I am going to give you some clues at least for, hey, maybe I need to dig into this further. If I don't have a trust right now, maybe I need to look into it or it's possible that we kind of talk through this and you think, you know what, I probably don't. You're going to have to make that decision yourself as far as what's right for you and your family. But ultimately, no matter who you're consulting with, the decision does come down to you. It's just our job as fiduciaries to guide you and to help you understand the implications of different decisions and help you put that together into your plan. Many people I talk to, they say, you know what, my situation is pretty simple. I want to just keep this as easy as possible for everybody And sometimes that's a good answer. Sometimes things can actually be pretty simple and can be accomplished in a simple way. And so we'll talk through that. So I'm actually going to give you some specifics today about different situations where we've seen people use trusts and one where you might actually consider 
whether that's a good decision for you. When we start digging in here, more often than not, we realize that the family situation is more complicated than it seems. So again, everybody kind of says that, well, you know, the situation is pretty simple. And they might be saying that just because they don't consider themselves to be an ultra wealthy family with oil rights and multiple business interests and private jets and things like that. Well, I can tell you that you don't have to have a massive estate for things to get complicated. Sometimes there are family dynamics. There's enough different things that can make even a small estate very complicated. So estate planning is still important. This is not just for ultra wealthy people. In other words, estate planning is truly for everyone. If you have any stuff and any people that you care about, you need somebody to look at this and come up with a plan. So let's talk about this first. There are multiple ways that you could pass on assets, and we're going to assume that you pass away. We're not really talking about incapacitation at this point. We're talking about you actually dying. So the main ways of passing on assets, and none are right or wrong. These are just ways that you could do it. So one of those is just by title. What I mean by that is that it could be as simple as that if you're married, you might have you and your spouse listed on an account as joint with rights of survivorship. So that's probably one of the most simple ways that you could title an asset and something could be passed on by title. Because say if I've got a joint account with my wife, let's say that something happens to me, then she just automatically gets the account. It just goes into her name without my name on it. There's a little bit of administrative work in the background, but really nothing has to be retitled or transferred or anything like that. The assets stay and it just gets put into her name. So by title, that's one way that you could actually do that. Or a house. Oftentimes people would, if they're married especially, they would probably have the husband and the wife are both listed on the title of the house. So that could pass on with joints of rights of survivors. So that's one way is by title. Another way is by beneficiary designation. And you're probably familiar with this if you have life insurance, retirement accounts, anything like that where you can put a beneficiary on it. And sometimes you can even put a beneficiary on the title of property. Depending on what state you live in, you actually could put a beneficiary on the title of the house. So that could be advisable. Maybe, maybe not. But anything that could have a beneficiary put on it, that means when the person dies, or say if there's more than one person, say back to our house example, husband, wife, both from the title of the house. They both pass away. Well, there's no survivor left. If there was just two owners in the joint with rights of survivorship, now that means that it could be going to a beneficiary if there was a beneficiary listed on that title. Of course, you can do that with retirement accounts. They always ask you that when your 401k, IRAs, things like that. They're always going to ask us, do we want to put a beneficiary on this account? Usually the answer is yes, but not always. It depends on your situation. Also, it could be a life insurance policy or it could be just a brokerage account or a bank account. Oftentimes you can add what's called a POD or TOD that would be payable on death or transfer on death. Most banks will let you do that even with your checking account. You could add a payable on death designation. Now, is that always advisable? No. In a lot of cases, that doesn't make sense, and there are some reasons for that. But beneficiaries could be another way that you'd pass on assets. Now, based off of the question today, another way to do it is by trust. And there are a couple different main types of trust. That would be a living trust that actually lives today. In other words, it's a living, breathing trust that you could fund today. In other words, you could be putting the title of your house into the name of the trust or other investments 
in the name of the trust. So you'd actually be funding that trust right now while you're living. The other main type of trust is a testamentary trust, which means that the trust is created by your last will and testament. That would be a type of trust that actually becomes kind of born upon your death. When the will gets administered, they say, oh, it looks like there's supposed to be a trust that becomes funded and created at this point to handle some assets. So keep that in mind that there are different ways you can set up trusts. You know, I like to kind of look at this as a choose your own adventure type of situation because you have these as options doesn't mean that they're necessarily appropriate because it might be good for somebody else that might not be good for you. It could depend on your situation. Just consider these as all options as far as ways that you could be passing on assets. And in a lot of cases, we have multiple things kind of going on. We might have a client that had a joint account with their surviving spouse and the surviving spouse gets an asset. So that would pass by title. They may have named that spouse as beneficiary on their retirement account. So it could pass on that way. They might also have a trust and they might also have a will. So and oftentimes we're finding that things will be passing on multiple ways when somebody's estate is settled. Here's some situations that often come up or reasons why somebody would want to set up a trust. Now, a trust is kind of a separate legal entity that's being created. And oftentimes, you could think of it this way, that a trust more or less is kind of acting on your behalf if you're not able to handle things, meaning that you've become incapacitated or you've passed away, but you still want your interests to be taken care of or your wishes to be taken care of. So oftentimes, that's what the trust is doing is is actually adding language that will make your wishes carried out. So here are some situations we'll oftentimes run across where somebody says, hmm, you know, maybe this actually does make sense to have a trust. One of those that's very, very common is that if somebody owns property in multiple states, and we're talking about like real estate where we own a rental property in California and you've got your house in Colorado and maybe you have a vacation spot down in Florida, but you might have that in your name in multiple states. Well, oftentimes we'll talk to estate attorneys and they say that is a nightmare situation if somebody passes away and things weren't handled some other way by title or by beneficiary, because now that means that you could be opening up probate, which is the legal process that somebody would have to go through in that jurisdiction to settle the person's probate estate. In other words, the other things that we just talked about as far as by title, by beneficiary, by trust, well, those are ways that we can kind of circumvent that probate process and not have stuff go through there. Now, some attorneys will kind of look at a situation and they'll say, you know what, we actually want to go through probate. Maybe there's some reasons for that. There's some advantages why we'd want some things to go through probate. So oftentimes I'll hear people say that as well. I've got to avoid probate. I've got to avoid probate. Well, why? That's always the question I'll ask next is, you know, is there a particular reason for that? And sometimes there's really good reasons and sometimes there's just misunderstandings. And after talking with professionals, sometimes people realize that, well, maybe some of the assets should pass through probate just because that's how we have our overall plan set up and it's in my best interest. So keep that in mind. That could get pretty darn complicated, not on you because you'll be gone, but it could be on your heirs. And more than likely, they'll have to be kind of working separately in those different courts in those states. That could get not only expensive, but really complicated, time consuming. People might even have to travel to multiple states to kind of settle things out. In some states, the estate attorney who's actually settling the estate for the family actually gets a percentage of the estate, which sounds crazy. We're in Colorado. They don't do that here. But in certain states, they actually do that. So that and that, that would be the probate estate. In other words, whatever's passing through probate, they would get a percentage of that. Other states, it's relatively simple. It's not very time consuming, not very expensive. It just does depend on the situation. Also, 
oftentimes a trust is really set up to handle an ongoing need. It needs to be a ongoing entity. In other words, that would be managing assets or income or the income taxes for a family, a person. There are different situations where that could be useful. For example, let's say that we have a special needs child and that special needs child has to be handled in a different way because of different types of benefits, maybe government benefits that they're eligible for. Um, sometimes those benefits can get nixed if they end up with too much income or assets, they could actually lose their benefits. So then we might need a special needs trust. Oftentimes that's what it would be called is a special needs trust to manage the affairs for that child's portion of an estate, which they're probably not equipped to handle on their own to begin with. And then the second part of it is that they really need ongoing management. That's probably a permanent condition. So it's important that there's some mechanism in place that their needs will be taken care of and that there's somebody, even if it's an institution, that would be looking out for their best interests. It also could be a situation where you've got a family member that just doesn't have the capacity to handle financial decisions. So we often talk about people's kids and sometimes they're really responsible and sometimes they're not. So if there was a situation where somebody just knows that, you know, a certain kid just kind of blows all of the money on stupid stuff. And so maybe we want to set up a trust just for that child's portion of the estate. It also could be a situation where you've got a child with a substance abuse problem they could have some history of destructive behavior where especially if they have the financial resources, they'll end up doing really destructive things, possibly to other people as well. Oftentimes, people might be concerned about that and want to handle that child's money a different way. Now, of course, one thing would be just to disinherit them. Uh, just don't leave them any money. But oftentimes, people don't want to do that either. They may want to be able to provide for them in a different way. So there are kind of some complex situations like I talked about before, and that makes us want to go out and look for some other options maybe that would handle that particular issue. Another really, really, really common one, of course, these days, I think the statistic is that 50% of marriages end in divorce. And if that marriage resulted in some children, now you've got some extra complication, especially if that person gets remarried. Now we've got a little bit of a wrinkle, right? In that we're trying to provide for not only that new spouse, probably uh, the person probably wants to provide for that new spouse. If something were to happen to them, make sure that they're taken care of. But then on the same token, they might be thinking, yeah, but I've got kids too that were from that prior marriage. And I want to make sure that they're taken care of as well. Oftentimes what the law says, especially if somebody didn't have a will, the state has a plan for you. And that, if nothing else, is a good reason to go through this process because you may not like the choices that they make. Uh, the state does have a default and that usually means that it goes to spouse and then it goes to kids and then you know other, uh, other family members. There's some language in there that kind of deals with that stuff. So just be aware of that. There's probably some special planning that would need to happen. So really be thinking about them. If your head is spinning right now, and it probably is, so it's okay. You're not alone. In fact, over 70% of people in the United States do not have any estate plan. Just be thinking about this, how important this stuff is, because you don't want your family to go through a nightmare scenario. I highly recommend that you look at this and all the decisions surrounding this as if you're going to die tomorrow or if I'm going to get incapacitated tomorrow. And of course, we hope that doesn't happen, but it could, and it does. In a lot of situations, people don't have a lot of notice. There could be somebody has a stroke or a heart attack, or they get in an accident, and they don't have time to do the planning. So don't think this is just an old person thing. One reason why it's really, really important, even for younger people, is that if you have any kids, 
your last will and testament typically is when you be naming who the guardian should be for your children if something were to happen to both parents. That's going to be where you name who's going to be taking care of the the money, who's going to be the guardian for the kids while they're minors. So it's just crucially important, even if you're young and you feel like you don't have a lot of assets, that's okay. So that's my call for you today is to make some decisions right now as if something were to happen tomorrow. And if you're thinking back and saying, well, I think I've already done that, verify it. Go back and look at all your plans. Look at your estate documents. Look at your beneficiary designations. Look at how you have things titled. And of course, if you're a client of ours, we're going to be looking at this with you. So that is something that we'll be doing as far as the planning goes. And also be consulting your estate attorney, your tax advisor, making sure that this is something that's top of mind at least every five years is what I recommend. You go back and take a look at everything just to make sure that it's still what you want to have happen. And if you've got another person involved in the process, say if you're married, again, you've got a spouse and that spouse needs to have some plans and you need to share those plans. So the two of you have coordinated. You can make a decision now and change your mind later. So you may name somebody. That's why I always recommend you go back and look at these things at least every five years. Or if you have major life changes, let's say if you've gotten remarried, you've had a spouse pass away, any of that stuff, you need to go back and look at it right away just to make sure that the situation doesn't dictate you making some changes to your your wishes and your documentation of all of this stuff. It's just crucially important that you get your affairs in order. There are programs, and I'm not necessarily recommending them, but there are programs out there. There are companies out there that have online legal preparation. They'll actually have legal documents, kind of like TurboTax for taxes. It is important to make some decisions and make sure that that's actually executable, that it's in writing and it's legal. This is just my experience as a planner and as a firm. We want to make sure that you are taken care of and your family is taken care of, not just financially, but emotionally as well. So back to our original question, do I need a trust? And my answer at the beginning and at the end here is it depends. You might or you might not. These are conversations we have with clients all the time. And if you're a client of ours, we probably have already been talking about this. If it's been a while since we've talked about it and we want to just go back and re-verify, then let's do that. In fact, we just had a project that we've been working on over the past years, going back with every single client, that their beneficiaries are still correct. But sometimes people look at it and they say, you know what, that actually has changed. Or maybe they had another kid and they want to add the other kid as a beneficiary on the account, things like that. So just keep in mind that we do want to be updating these things over time and consulting with whoever you're working with. And if you're not a client right now, maybe you should be talking to us about your situation and how we can help you plan for your future, you and your family. And maybe it's not you. Maybe it's a coworker that needs some planning. We have people contact us all the time, by the way. Almost all of our new business, our new clients, comes from referrals from our existing clients. Also, some professionals in the area like CPAs, estate attorneys, people that we network with. And we always thank you, of course, for those referrals that you make. It may be that they don't come in right away, and that's okay. We just appreciate you planting that seed with people so they know that we're here when they're ready. I hope this was helpful today. We can make recommendations and give you our thoughts, but ultimately you will need to make the decision as far as what's right for you and your family. If you like the Wiser Financial Advisor, that's great. And if you'd like to support us in a couple of ways, that would be great. Click subscribe on your favorite podcast service. Wherever it is, we probably are on that listing. So click subscribe. That helps us out. And also make sure you're sharing any episodes that it makes sense for other people that you care about to listen to. Might be a coworker, might be a family member. 
might be your spouse, might be somebody that you have conversations about this stuff with and you know they really need some help and really could use some guidance. Also, give us a rating. Thank you very much for supporting us. I hope you all have a great week and God bless. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.